Welcome to the Metal Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor, on episode 97, or visit their website at landbetterment.com. We're also sponsored by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determined entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to build successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high growth companies, high growth careers, and high growth communities. I've personally known Dan Beldy for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all feel very blessed and grateful that a VC like himself is here in Kentucky. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more Let's all grow this state together. You can reach out to Dan at info at airwing.vc or dan at airwing.vc. And their website is www.airwing.vc. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. We're here with Liz Brown Evans, who is Awesome Inc.'s marketing director. And like we like to do after their awesome event, Five Across, we like to sit down and review some of the pitches, give some feedback, go over the companies that were there, the founders that came and pitched. Uh, And for those who don't know, Liz, do you want to give a quick uh, synopsis on what Five Across actually is? Would love to. Hello, everyone. Uh, so Fiber Cross is uh, Mike Hilton's version is my favorite to offer. He says if you take a pitch competition, if it had a love child with a pep rally it, and wrap it in the most encouraging environment you can find, it would be Fiber Cross. So every other month we throw a pitch competition for five startups. They pitch for five minutes to a panel of four judges for $500. Uh, and then they get a ticket to the finals at the end of the year where the winners from the whole year compete with each other for five Gs. Um, it's a good time. We really like fun. bringing on new, obviously it's new startups each time. I think it's just a great way to show, uh, what's new and what's coming up. So we had, we had a couple of really interesting ones this month. Yeah. You guys have done a great job of keeping that event going all the way through COVID with the going remote. I've been going since I was probably a freshman in college, honestly. A wee lad. A wee lad. Yeah. We've been <laughs> doing it for 12 years now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So. That's really awesome. Well, cool. Let's uh, dive on in and start talking about some of these pitches and some of the companies that were at this past Five across. Uh, so this first one we got was a board game, Badland Wolves. Which Eric and I ordered immediately. Yeah. From his seat, my husband ordered wow. uh, the board game. So yes. he's a big gamer. Yeah. Board gamer, to clarify. I've never actually seen him play video games. I got games. into that over COVID. I got a cousin that 
collects board games and they're very impressive board games. I had no idea like the industry was that big and like they had these as many like boutique, I guess, like board games that are just like pieces of art, very expensive, very complex. Like they're not mainstream and my cousin has them and I played with them uh, over the COVID and it was pretty, pretty fun time. I love the creativity of having a board game company pitch at five across. I think that's something that's kind of unique. You don't always see, you might not think of somebody that's creating a board game as being an entrepreneur, even though they absolutely are. It's, you have to stand up a whole business behind it unless you license out your game to some other large game maker. Uh, so this was a really cool pitch to see. I think he also did a really good job of conveying what the actual game was, which I feel like might be difficult if you've got a complex game trying to talk about what your game actually is. Uh, I thought he did a good job of that. Also loved how much he cared about the design. Like he's clearly put in so much time into what it looks like and feels like, which is the game itself. That's the brand. Yeah, that's what's important. Right. Um, I actually talked to him months ago. I feel like I connect with him after Startup Weekend. Hmm. He reached out. So I do know he's been working on this for a while. Obviously, already has some Kickstarter traction. Right. Um, and it, uh, yeah, not a tech company. So I can't say I know the market super well, but I do know. Yeah, I've been impressed with how he describes it. I mean, it made me want to play. I'm not a game person. Yeah, he said he, correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere around over $35,000 from yep. Kickstarter. 646 backers, pretty impressive. Yeah, that's um, great. And then, yeah, you know, feedback on the actual pitch. I thought, you know, he opened it very uh, in a very memorable way with like a poem that actually had to do with the game. Uh, so nice job there. Uh, and then he did a job communicating the existing traction of the backing from Kickstarter, which is always a good signal. I mean, $30,000 is pretty good. Um, and he said he self-funded you know, using that money, that's, that's how he's funded the business, not self-funded, but that's how he's funded it. Um, you know, 646 people. It's pretty impressive. That's legit. Yeah. It's not nothing. Yeah. For sure. We'll, uh, we'll tune in next time. Maybe on my podcast, everyone, Innovation Inc. <laughs> There's the plug. I'll, uh, I'll tell everyone, uh, what the board game is like once we start playing. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and hop onto this next one. Uh, that was the Afterlife Company. Also so. did a great job at starting it off. I don't know if you guys remember. She was like, awesome Inc. has rule number 17, which we always <laughs> harp on is bring the fun. She was like, so I'm going to bring the fun by talking about death and urns. Yeah. I mean, and then went into it. There, I mean, I guess there's no escape from death, so might as well build a business around it. I mean, it's not going anywhere. I do feel the need to give a shout out to Keith McMahon, as everyone knows who has attended. He's the MC. His main goal for this Five Across was to make Five Across dark. <laughs> so he chose the songs, which are all like edgier than normal. Uh, and he was particularly excited about this pitch. He Edgier loved than normal. what was the trivia he used? It was like nine and ten startups die, but like ten out of ten humans <laughs> die. He was a big fan of that joke. Yeah. So to give an overview of the company, they're essentially building customizable, environmentally friendly urns, um, which is the way she described. It, I thought was really good. You know, you have your values when you're alive. Why wouldn't you want your values once you passed on to align with the way you were living? So I thought that was a great way to convey the value proposition. And I thought she also did an excellent job with her pitch as well. And I guess it's worth noting, she's the one who ended up ultimately winning Spoiler. the pitch competition. Spoiler alert, she won. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there was all sorts of really good metrics that she was hitting as well. A thousand percent margin was one of the things that I pulled out of that that I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, I think most of it is 3D printed, right? Yeah, one to two days to make, which is yeah. wild to me. I mean, I guess not that crazy for 3D printing, but still pretty cool. And then if you customize it, it only takes an extra day. Um, right. So I thought I thought that was great. Um, I do know the judges uh, really liked that it that it was such good margins um, overall. So that was a big takeaway they had. A thousand percent margins. I don't, I don't understand that. You want to explain that? A thousand percent Logan? markup. Yeah, can you explain them? I wish I could, but we I can just... whiteboard the math. <laughs> and then put she, it in the that's video. what she had on one of her slides: thousand percent markup on it. 
Oh, markup. Got Not it. margin. Okay. That was my that was my bad. Big markup margin yeah. police over go. here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just checking. Um, no, I, I thought this was very cool. Uh, a lot of my family gets cremated, and they put their ashes up in a place that we go to vacation hmm. a lot. And so I'll do that. I want to get cremated. Uh, my dad's side of the family does that. Do they keep them? Are, are they still like in the no, urns on the windowsill? No, or are you guys like let dispose them go of them in the sand okay. dunes? Um, mm, that's nice. So that's I mean, meaningful. I guess the urn is important, but you got to have the urn, right? Sure. To, you're not just going to put it in a plastic bag or anything. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was a pitch that, uh, you know, resonated with me. Um, and she did a great job, like, getting emotional during the pitch. She almost, like, cried at one point, I think, is the way I, I, I saw, uh, the way I interpreted it. But, um, yeah, I think she did a great job pitching and spoke about the market very well. Uh, the very niche market, but bigger than I thought. Almost yeah. 600 mil- like $600 million, yeah. not small. Especially when you get into pets, with, I thought the judges sure. did do a good job calling out people are emotional about their pets. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We, we, we cremated my that. childhood dog when it when it died really? and spread its ashes in the in the lake that we used to hang out at. And I don't see how many, I don't think many people would want to like get their full pet and bury their full pet anymore. It's kind of a dark subject. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I cremation <laughs> seems like definitely the choice to go. Yeah. In the pet market. And just like some quick stats that they're out there that I pulled from it um, said 44% of people now prefer to be cremated. The Like Evan just said, the urn market is at $600 million. That's just for the urn market. That's not even cremation as a whole. Expected to grow to a billion in 2024. She said there were 73 urn manufacturers in the world, which I yeah. thought was kind of wild. Like the entire world was only 73. Not that many. Um, and then like I mentioned, the 1,000% markup margin, whatever you want to call it. They're the market. same, right? I don't know. It's the same math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She said she was selling one urn per day at an average price. Without any sales or $200. Yeah. And she launched in mid June of 2021. She's on Etsy and she's selling an urn a day. Etsy's big time. Let me tell you. It is for sure. Uh, But I do think she did a good job of answering the judge's question. Um, One of them basically said, Can you stop any one of these 73 from getting into this? And she said, From a value based perspective, no, but she's working on the exclusivity contract with Danimer Scientific. Yeah. Yeah. which, Which that's big. Um, and I thought I liked that she didn't try to kind of BS the answer. That's what I was about to say. It's like anytime you have that answer and it, it's going to most of the time clearly be like, yeah, we can't do anything about that. Competition is going to be there. Yeah. If you try to tiptoe around it, yeah. it's always inauthentic and like people can see right through that. And she did a good job of just being up front and be like, yeah, I mean, they could definitely, you know, here's how we're going to prevent them from, from doing that or at least putting us out of business. Uh, last thing, because we're in Kentucky, uh, they're starting to get into horse urns. Horse urns. Mm, That's got to be a big urn. That's a, uh, I don't know the word. I was going to say something, but I'm not going to, I don't know. Markup, markup or margin? Do you even call it an urn anymore? (laughs) Maybe like a bucket? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, bad jokes, bad jokes. Let's move on to this next one. Anomalies. Anomalies. This one was one of my favorites. I thought, well, mostly just my favorite because they had a lot of traction and it seemed like they had a lot of use cases for what they're doing. You want to run us through how you would describe their business? I will try. I'll be honest. I had to rewatch this one a couple Same. of times. Um, and he's probably going to cringe when he hears me describe it. But so they are already working with the Navy, which um, and it sounds like multiple areas of the Department of Defense. Um, they do. They are not creating the technology themselves, but they are creating a platform for enhancing interaction with your own 3D environment from any source. So they can take people who get 
scans of buildings, aerial scans, drone scans. It doesn't matter how you get that technology. Uh, they basically are like, we're not getting into how you get it. We are taking that information and creating something that's usable. So I, I guess to give the use case, because this really helped for me, say that uh, the Marines or the Navy is going into like a building or an area. He's like, wouldn't it be helpful if you knew what the building looked like, what the surrounding areas were mm-hmm. like, where you should put snipers if it's dark, uh, which to me feels like an intuitive problem that they have. Um, so they are certainly working with Navy Department of Defense, but to your point, they're now also working with firefighters, it sounds like, yep. a lot of police force, um, pretty much anything that is like a, a safety protocol that has to be followed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're creating a way to consume the 3D models in a more user-friendly way. I'm yeah. sure the companies that make, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So it's like, you know, the companies that make the hardware and the software to produce the 3D models probably aren't creating the best user experience to consume them. So he's just creating the consumption. Well, it sounds like they're kind of agnostic to the technology that you're using to create the model. Like they were, he mentioned off like drones and real estate scanning software and like all these different methods for collecting the scan. And I think that's probably a huge value add for the people that they work with is that we can, we can work with whatever, whatever you've got. Like, you know, the people who are building the rendering for, you know, a drone scan, are only going to be building it for a drone scan. So if you're using multiple types of technologies, the ability to combine those and have kind of one comprehensive oh, yeah, place to view. You even mentioned like cell phones yeah. or like cameras. Like yeah. they can, it doesn't have to be incredibly high tech. Yeah. They basically create the training elements that are required for the use cases, uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, they've already, it sounds like, gone through two phases of SBR funding. Am I SBIR? getting that correct? SBIR. Mm-hmm. SBIR funding. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, already explained it. He, man, quick market numbers, which I feel like it's cheating when you get into like <laughs> Navy, Marines. I mean, it's just <laughs> Un- billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, but he mentioned currently it's at $1.6 in the market, expected to be $30 billion by, I might get this wrong, 2024 is what I have in my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are going to continue with military contracts. Um, they've already raised a couple million in funding. Yeah, two million in non-dilutive. Yeah, funding, I'm expecting believe, another said. one. So, I, I mean, to your point, I think the traction was there. It's a really interesting concept. Um, he also mentioned uh, what was his barometer? He was like, if you can play uh, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, you can <laughs> you can use this. You can do this. Yeah. No, I mean the use cases that he mentioned were super high stakes. So that's that was one of my. I think he did a good job of using those really high stakes use cases to really like convey the how important his software would be for the people he's empowering with it. Um, I thought that was a really strong point of his pitch. Either of you guys got anything else before we move on from that one? I thought it was cool. I cannot remember with ju- which judge asked, but they were like, can this be used for evil? Yeah. I which was such too. a great question. Yeah, and he basically was like, yeah, uh, it's got to be restricted data. Yeah. Um, but I can't say that, uh, you know, that it couldn't be. So I just thought that was a really creative question. I think a good takeaway from some of the feedback we've given on these pitches is like always be – just upfront with these answers when the judges ask them or like if it's an investor, like they're going to see through you tiptoeing around some answer that's pretty obvious. Like, yep. yes, it can be used for bad or yes, competition is going to be there. Um, okay. Moving on to the next one, quench and temper, which is a very, as Evan said, in a, in a very a hell niche of a market. Niche. Yeah, yeah. Very hell of a niche. Um, but I mean, the niche is still 350 million apparently of people that spend money on martial arts equipment. So basically what they're doing is they're building it like an at home, board uh holder holder so that like when you're doing karate you're breaking the boards Mm -hmm. you know it helps you do it in your own house and it measures the force that you're exerting on the board 
uh, and you just fold it up, put it underneath your bed. Uh, so get a cool product. I mean, I never, I never would have saw that coming at, at a five across. Never broke a board, but I'd like to. I've always thought, and she brought this up in her pitch. I thought she did a really good job of like conveying why the problem exists. It was like, you know, you, you typically see somebody holding the board. And my question has always been like, that's so variable. If somebody gives or if somebody's higher, lower, I mean, she mentioned all those things. I thought those were really easy to call out pain points and she's providing a solution for it. Also the machine contraption holder, whatever you want to call it, measures how hard you're hitting, which I would definitely want to know how hard I'm kicking or punching a board. So. Like that game at the bar, uh, <laughs> two keys, so you kick the, the, uh, the punching the bag. Punching bag. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, That's a no brainer. Low tech version. Of that. <laughs> Gamify it, put it on a platform and see who's, now, if they break that bars. at the bars, oh my god! Maybe that's a customer she's not thinking about. For real, that's her first customer. I guarantee yeah. she'll be easier to <laughs> sell a bar on that than uh, than somebody does karate. I don't know. Uh, I have taken one jujitsu class and one krav maga class, so I think that qualifies me to be an expert on the topic. Um, I will say it uh, to your point. I think she did a good job describing the problem like i was on board with the problem being like yeah smash fingers it's way too variable like too many human inconsistencies so um i got my finger smashed at both of those classes got my (laughs) butt handed to me for the record so um and to your point i will say the more uh what i did learn from trying to find these ridiculous classes that i took the world of mixed martial arts it's wild and huge and so varied you know Um, know. your cousin's big into it Oh, jujitsu! I thought you were about to be like, he's a purple belt. I'm like, great. I took one class. I'm sitting here bragging about it. My cousin does jujitsu. I've had several cousins do it. Um, And I'm just not – I wouldn't want to wrestle. I don't want to be on a sweaty mat with other people, you know, grabbing me and stuff. But um, maybe karate. I came home from my class. Eric made me sit downwind outside at our dinner table because I smelled so bad. (laughs) I've I've never smelled myself that bad. I will say I want to do kickboxing. Like if I were to do any kind of martial arts, like I yeah. would do kickboxing. I think that would be cool. To, so back to like the contraption part of it, or like one of the first things that I kind of noticed, and a judge even called this out. He was like, what kind of liability do you have when somebody's like punching yep. at your device? It did seem like it was made out of a lot of metal. And if you're not, if hmm. you don't have some precision when you're kicking it, I feel like you could really hurt yourself on it. That was. I feel like there has to be protocol though for like home equipment insurance. Like I buy sure. weights off Amazon. Yeah. And I'm not going to sue yeah. them if it like falls on my foot. I mean, I guess I would try, but I'm assuming. It seems like one of those standard. things like don't, don't use as a toy. Cause I feel like if I were to try to kick that thing, I'd hit, sure. my, I'd break my tail in the middle. Yeah. Which I feel like is probably an obvious caveat. I feel like. This is a good time to mention Eric uh, for the listeners out there. My husband sitting at home. Um, he had a he was always in the audience, and so it's really interesting for me to come home because I'm always behind the scenes, like mm-hmm. knowing like what the show is like. But I went back, and he said it was one of his favorite fiber crosses overall. Um, and primarily, he said he appreciated the founders. They focus on why they started their companies, and I felt like she was a great example. Like it was just clearly so personal for her. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times. Especially at a five across level, they can focus so much on like market and projections and growth. And it's kind of like, eh, this feels all like speculative. Yeah. Um, like sometimes there's just only so many numbers you can put behind something that's right. not just completely drawing it out of nowhere. Um, and I felt like they all just did a great job storytelling this past week. Uh, and she was one of those. Like I could just tell she cared and I was on board with that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I mean, when you're pitching your company, you're telling a story. You're trying to draw in, whether it be an investor or whether it be the pitch, the judges at a pitch competition, you're trying to draw them into your story and make them feel as much passion as you, the entrepreneur, has about it. Um, yeah, good good pitch there overall. Um, definitely in a niche market. But Oh, I did have one comment some, on her pitch. Sometimes the best. 
um, she needed to be way more aggressive on her projections, sales projections. Hmm. You know, I think she said in nine months she wants to sell 10 of them and might be because of manufacturing, you know, speeds. But, you know, if I'm an investor and I hear somebody say over 10 months, I want to make 10 sales, like I'm, I'm out, you know, see ya. Um, so I would have probably, even if it, even if it's like, it's better to be um, maybe a little too aggressive than to be way too conservative. Uh, because that shows investors like you want to be aggressive and they want to invest in people that are aggressive. Um, so I, you know, I thought she could have done a better job of, you know, communicating, Hey, I'm aggressively pursuing this. I think this is a big opportunity, a big market. Here's my projections based on how hard I want to go after this. And she just didn't do that. Yeah. I think she gave a lot of confidence otherwise, and then kind of got there and it, it felt like it, she didn't match almost the rest of her yeah. pitch. Yeah. So, but yeah, excited to see where she goes. For sure. All right. Let's move on to this last one here. Evan, do you want to give a synopsis on this? Because you've been talking to this guy. Yeah, Jornis. So I've met with Michael several times in Louisville. Um, come some, we've become friends. And so he also is a vote award winner. Um, and he's building a cool product. So um, he's building basically a messaging platform uh, that mixes in social features into the threads or the chat. I don't remember which one he calls it. Uh, but basically, you know, the problem with messaging is uh, it can be overwhelming, it's confusing. Uh, there's not a whole lot of en engagement beyond the messages themselves. So he's trying to bring social features uh, into messaging to create a more engaging, uh, basically, uh, community or environment for creators or school clubs or uh, musicians to engage their audience. And so it's, it's basically a competitor of a Descript. Um, where people are driving their audience to communicate with them, but they can, you know, post pictures in a more social way. They can post videos in a more social way and, um, you know, engage the audience differently than just pure chat. Did you mean Descript or community? Uh, did I say Descript? You said Descript. I meant Discord. Did you mean Discord. markup or margin? <laughs> <laughs> Discord. Discord, sorry. Well, to give a shout out to Descript, great piece of software. Great. Yeah, we're going to use that. Great platform. <laughs> we use that, yeah. Yeah, no, I... I think one of the best parts uh, about Michael is his backstory. He's got the most incredible backstory, which yeah. I guess isn't super relevant to the picture, to the business, but uh, he comes from Haiti, lost all of his family in an earthquake when the, when the earthquake struck Haiti, and he just happened to be well, out using the bathroom. I think the full, the, so the full story was that he was in school, and do you know the story, Liz? I do okay. not. So I this have... is a wild mm -hmm. story. So... Michael was in school, very young, um, and in Haiti, you know, the bathrooms are not inside the building. They're outside, so there's like outhouses. And he left class to go to the bathroom. While he was outside, uh, the earthquake happened, and the entire school collapsed, and every student except him died. And his family died. And so he didn't have any no, – he didn't know anybody after that. And so then he got adopted and came to the United States and has turned out to just be – an amazing athlete, an amazing person, great entrepreneur. Um, and so his story is just, you know, amazing. And he's really putting, you know, that, um, you know, that hardship he's gone through, mm. um, you know, he's putting that behind him and really working hard mm. to, you know, make a big difference in the world. I feel like you have to have such a level of resilience and strength oh, to. And he runs 10 miles. I think he, he runs 80 miles a week. Gosh. He's like cross country. He's like, a, I, don't know if, I don't know if he's an all-American, but I know he's like, li like really good. He runs a yeah. lot. Yeah, he runs a lot. It's about um, 78 more miles than I run every year. <laughs> very, uh, very cool product, though, to get back to uh, to Jornis. So it sounds like he's not 
it's not like if I'm on a, me- a messaging app, I can go then take that to social media. He's almost making messaging apps feel more like He's social media. He's bringing social media like features to chat. Yeah. Um, I've got it on my phone. I've used it. I've downloaded it. Um, it's cool. Um, I like it a lot. Um, it's just, you know, you got to have a use case. So like if I was still in college and I was in a club, you know, I might have used it for that that use case. Um like fraternities and sororities, is that like a good idea? Like, yeah, he's again? targeting colleges, okay. clubs, No, he mentioned UK and UofL. Yeah. So he's targeting, you know, in Kentucky, UK, UofL, EKU, you know, NKU, and he's targeting these colleges to try to get clubs and, um, you know, fraternities and sororities, you know, onto the application. He's really kind of going after group me. Mm. I feel like at some point That's you could tough. even get into like networking groups or something like that from yeah. like a young professional standpoint. I don't know if like much, much older is going to be all about it. Right. But 100% like high school, college. Yeah. There's just, there's so much competition out there. I feel like demanding your attention for a a slice of social media or a slice of your messaging app. It's just like breaking into that market seems very hard. I know that I'm incredibly loyal to any one group messaging app though. Like I've got issues with GroupMe, I've got issues with WhatsApp. Hmm. So I think if someone were to tell me this is, like a highly optimized, really fun group messaging app, I'd be down to try that. I mean, that's what he's, yeah, that's what they're trying to do is create a more engaging, fun chat application. Cause really, like, chat is chat. Like, it's just like you're sending right. messages, you're sending pictures. He's trying to, uh, you know, create more of a. I mean, if you just want that, like, WhatsApp, I feel like is the international kind of like standard. Like, that's what I used to like message mm-hmm. all my international friends, <laughs> Softflex. Um, but, Group me, I should always have. They group me. I feel like tries to get into that with like the liking, uh, but that's really as far as I go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when you take a picture within one of the chats, you can immediately add a filter, captions. That's cool. You can comment on the photo, not within the you know chat, because when you post something, yeah. in, if you post a message in chat, and uh, somebody else decides to post a, another irrelevant message, your message is thrown out the window. Yeah, and so really, it's not. Uh, conducive to you know a lot of engagement heavy engagement so he's trying to make a more engaging you know chat feel even in iMessage you can reply now which is kind of great but also kind of still visually confusing if you do it too many times right so I think again I would go back one of my biggest takeaways was just they all had really interesting stories behind them and again you have to put numbers and market and potential like especially I think in an investor environment you probably need to air more on the side of that but when you're going more of like a, a public pitch competition, people have to like care. Uh, and yeah. I thought they just all had really interesting companies that can apply to a lot of people in the audience. Yeah, for sure. In Very terms, wide variety, for sure. Yeah. Yes. In terms of like actual feedback on on the pitch, the only thing I can really think of, and this is by no fault of really anybody, he had a COVID scare, I guess, and had to be remote. Yeah, like don't quote me on that. I know Emily or Keith would know, but he did unfortunately have to be remote, which yeah. just, he was a champ about it. Uh, it's just tough from a tech perspective or, yeah. or their IT, like audio perspective. Um, yeah, he was a champ about it. He did power on through. Yeah, I do that's, know. That's I mean, for those who are watching or who watch it recorded, like he couldn't hear the judges. So he was relying on like our tech guy in the back to like yeah. speak their microphone. And that's just for him to like push through and not like phased by that. I was really impressed. So. Resiliency. There huh? it is. Resiliency. There yeah, it is. 100%. So I, uh, yeah, no, he was, he was really great about it. Anyone who's willing to hop on Zoom in that kind of environment, I'm impressed with. So we were, uh, speaking of which, very happy to be back in person. It's the legends have been great partners. Um, and we're really proud of what, what the last year has been. But gosh, I missed being in person. It was just, 
It's just so much easier to put on a fun event. In person and indoors. Like Yes. Indoor. Sorry, indoors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I knew yeah. you meant. But indoors makes it a lot easier just like hear the pitches and makes yeah. the energy flows a little bit better. We did a Mario Kart while the judges deliberated. I saw that. For those who weren't there. I feel like we ought it to It was give, a riot. <laughs> I feel like we ought to give a shout out to Heather for her her debut in the Billy costume. We did. Billy lives on. Uh, Billy the Unicorn. And uh, an old intern of ours, we texted her. And uh, I said, will you be the unicorn? She said, yeah, I'm YouTubing what sounds unicorns make. I said, awesome. (laughs) See you next week. So Most Heather thing ever. Cool. Well, this has been great Uh, to recap everything. Tell us a little bit about when the next Five Across is coming up. And then I'd also like you to give more of a formal plug for Awesome Inc. and uh, Innovation Incubated, if you'd like as well. Absolutely. So the next one is uh, coming up quick. Typically, there's a little bit more time, but it's on August 6th. We will be back at the Lyric Theater. in person, as it stands right now, obviously subject to change uh, with how things go. And then we actually just confirmed today the date for the finals um, is – I'm quickly looking it up to make sure I don't say the wrong date – December 8th. Uh, we'll likely also be back at the Lyric Theater. So um, mark your calendars. If you need a free code, reach out to me on socials. Um, we should include a free code for Middle Tech. Listeners. We have one. I'll just send you the promo code yet again. All right, Middle Tech listeners, you got a free code. Just put in Middle way. Tech and I'll – trust me, it'll work. I'll, I'll make that the free use code, code Middle Tech to get into five across free. Yes, five dollars off your five dollar ticket. Uh, Dinner is included. So, um, and then yeah, for those who don't know, Awesome Inc. We are, gosh, a family of companies that all revolve around technology and entrepreneurship. But we help startups grow. We teach people how to code. We've got a software company, uh, and then my baby that I spend most of my time on. We also have an innovation consulting company. We get to work with really big companies um and help their employees think more like entrepreneurs we're doing some cool stuff in the bourbon space right now running a bourbon reverse pitch so um if you're into podcasts which if you're listening hope you are uh we do an innovation inc podcast on our awesome inc show uh where we just get to interview really cool people that are in the corporate space but doing really innovative things so not necessarily entrepreneurs we have uh dubbed them entrepreneurs we Mm -hmm. haven't the world has come up with that term but we stole it um so we have a good time here at awesome inc you should come by and check out our space where we're sitting in right now Perfect. Awesomeink.org. Check them out. Thanks for coming on, Liz. Bye, guys. See ya.